Hey, welcome everybody to Sunday Night Live. Well, Sunday here on the west coast of the United States, 4 o'clock. And wherever you are watching throughout the whole world, I want to welcome you for joining us. And uh, listen, as you can tell by the title of uh, the message, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 7. Again, because there's so much here, Daniel chapter 7 tells us about the things that are coming uh, with the kingdom of Antichrist, Antichrist himself, and the best of all, that Jesus is coming back, and he crushes that final Antichrist system. But as I look at this, can't help but think, just as the title says, we are on the brink of the end. Not the end for us, but the end of the world as we know it, the end of the end of things for those who don't know Christ. Uh, folks, as I look at everything that's going on, we live in remarkable days. So, so many different things to talk about. Um, uh, but let me just remind uh, ourselves, let's just remind ourselves about some of the things that we've been witnessing lately. The Digital Services Act uh, to shut down all internet, anybody who posts anything uh, that um, is deemed misinformation or that is found offensive. So if you fulfill uh, the passage, the prophecy of Jesus, where he said, many will be offended because of me in the Olivet Discourse, speaking of the time coming of that beast system. Well, if you offend anybody by what you say on the internet, apparently, Digital Services Act, that means you're going to be shut down. So they're really going after websites like this and other truth tellers out there. Everything is being conformed. Of course, the pandemic threats and the nonsense and things going this way and the things going that way. The pendulum swinging over here, it's swinging over there. Wars and rumors of wars, disasters of every type that you can think of, man-made and uh, and not man-made, and we, we're just, uh, the, the talks of more lockdowns and so forth, you put it all in uh, to perspective and we realize that we are racing toward this right here, uh, Daniel chapter 7 and what is coming. I believe, literally, we're on the brink. Uh, we are, uh, we're rapidly approaching what is coming. What Daniel is writing about, what we're going to look at in just a second. Well, let's just take a trip down memory lane just a few months back, uh, back to May of 2023, just a few months ago. And uh, this is regarding the WHO's meeting. I want you to put it into perspective, World Health Organization meeting, put it in perspective of every single thing that we are watching because many people have already forgotten about this. Listen, this is out there and it's coming. And this is why we're hearing the different talk that you and I are hearing. So regarding that WHO meeting back in May, it was Dr. Mercola who said this, and this really helps us to understand it. He had, there were 300 amendments in the WHO meeting, World Health Organization meeting. This is his summary of the World Health Organization meeting and uh, the international health regulations. Uh, re this, is what, this is what they want to do, and this is what they are going to do. Expand the definitions of pandemics, hence all the talk we're hearing about, and health emergencies the definitions of these things. Get that? Expand the definitions of them. What do they mean? Specifically, introduce potential for harm rather than actual harm. So with that definition, potential for harm, what does that mean? World Health Organization can mandate pretty much whatever they want to do based on mere suspicion that something might cause public harm. Dr. McCullough said, change the recommendations of the international health regulations from non-binding to mandatory. 
So member states must follow and implement the World Health Organization recommendations. You, in other words, you must go along with this global beast system, because I'm telling you, this is all part of the system that we're going to be looking at in just a minute. Solidify the Director General's ability to independently and single-handedly declare health emergency. In other words, the guy at the top, guess what? Whatever he says, everybody's got to bow to him. I mean, amazing. Uh, set up an extensive surveillance apparatus in all member states. Surveillance apparatus. What are we hearing about New York? What are we hearing about California? What are we hearing about Europe? What are we hearing about the internet? Things we just talked about, things we've been talking about for several weeks now, Digital Services Act and so forth. What are we hearing about where um, these leaders are saying, hey, now we're going to have a global ID, um, all the tracking. Hey, uh, Tony Blair saying, hey, what we need is a Chinese style, a social system integrated in, with all the technology we have into the entire globe for tracking and control of everybody because the Chinese are so wonderful, as Tony Blair said. Listen, they're murdering their citizens. It's an incredibly wicked regime. So we're looking at these things, and they're saying, wait a minute. Nobody's able to opt out. Set up an extensive surveillance apparatus in all member states. Wow. Enable the World Health Organization to share data from country to country without any consent or individual. Give World Health Organization control over certain resources within the countries, including intellectual property rights. Force national support for censorship activities directed by the World Health Organization. Set up an international supply network set up by the World Health Organization. I mean, this just goes on and on and on, including climate change being part of health. Listen to this. Expand the scope of the World Health Organization's power by emphasizing the One Health Agenda, which recognizes that a very broad range of aspects of life and the environment can impact health and therefore fall under the Potential, remember the definition, potential to cause harm. This is how the WHO will be able to declare climate change as a health emergency and require lockdowns, just for example. What else, Mercola say, they plan to do, and they will do, set up a governing body under the auspice of the World Health Organization because they care about our health so much to oversee the entire health emergency process. In other words, everything on the globe. The World Health will have an unelected dictator that, this is the intention, uh, even as Damon Duck says, to um, force whatever they want upon the whole globe. So we look at that and then we look at the book of Daniel. We've been Daniel chapter 7 the last couple of Sundays. We're here again. We'll be visiting it again next week also. Uh, and what are we reading about? We're reading about this kingdom that's coming that is global in, or an attempt at globalism, I should say. I don't think it's ever fully achieved because of resistance that comes from the East and resistance from uh, the Islamic countries. We'll get there when we get later into Daniel. So I'll show you how that works out. 
But we look at this, uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 1, going to, the rider on the white horse, going about conquering and to conquer. How's it going to conquer without firing weapons? Well, you read something like that. Again, that was from back in May. So what are we now? We're in October. So that was back in May, and these things are moving along. It, it is moving along an alarmingly fast pace. All right. So what we've looked at so far, uh, and what we've seen so far in Daniel, uh, slide number three, if you can pull it up, is we recognize Babylon is done, Persia is done, Greece is done, uh, the Roman Empire it is done. From our perspective, it's done. Daniel's perspective, Babylon was done. He's living the Persia Empire. Um, but then Greek, uh, the Greek and the Roman Empire were still coming in his future. Um, but in our time, they're all past. And now where Daniel is in the conversation, he's now moved past all four of those empires, looking into this final beast system of uh, this planet that Antichrist will rule and reign uh, from. So with that, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 through 15. Yeah, I know I read this last time, but I didn't go into much detail. But look at this. I want, to, I want to give a little bit more detail. Daniel says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with clouds of heaven. He came through the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him who was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved within my spirit, within my body, and the visions of my head. They troubled me. So I want to go into a little bit more detail here, especially when you look at of the different titles that are given to God the Father and, and God the Son, and how does this work out in the Bible, um, and understand who is the Holy One who conquers in the kingdom that's coming, and, and put it together, Jesus is coming back. Uh, but, but let's think of this. So in verse 15, Daniel says he's grieved within his, uh, in his spirit, within his body, grieved over the dream that he had. We left off with that last time, but... Uh, theology shows us that our spirit dwells within our body. We, we get that. You know, when people say I had an outer body experience, it really it probably means they were into some things they shouldn't be into spiritually. Uh, but it's kind of that thought. Our spirit dwells within our body, however. David Guzik notes, it's true that the spirit is more important than the body, but the state of the body may have an effect on the state of the spirit. It's a reminder that we need to take care of our bodies as much as we can, um, because your body, when, you're, when your body's messed up, it will mess up how you think, it'll mess up your process, uh, how you process things, and it, it can mess up the peace that you have between you and the Lord. So there is this connection, and, and Daniel recognizes that. It seems to be in theology in general that way, in Christian theology. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 tells us that bodily exercises uh, profit us a little. doesn't mean it doesn't profit at all. There's a little bit of profit in it, probably to help to keep our bodies within a little bit of balance. And Paul writes to the Corinthians that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and he also likens our bodies to a tent. So when our body dies, our tent crumbles, but our spirit does not. Our body only houses our spirit while we are here on earth. So when we die, our spirit goes into the presence of the Lord forever and ever, if you know the Lord. 
Or if you don't know the Lord when you die, your spirit goes, it's separated from your body but because your body's dead, but you don't go into the presence of the Lord. You go into separation from the Lord forever and ever, which the Bible describes it as judgment, as eternal torment, as hell, forever and ever. And people think, well, that's all right, I'll go there, all my friends are there. What people don't understand that say that is, listen, out of the presence of God means there is no possibility to ever have any joy. There's no possibility to laugh. There's, you, you cannot have love. God is love. That's all removed. All you can be full of is anger and horror and bitterness. There's not, you are not going to like anybody. You won't be able to laugh. You will never, ever be able to find joy. People think I'm going to be laughing with my friends in the pit of hell. No, you're not. You will, if you even see another spirit being, if you see another person that you knew, you so hate each other. And hate it because you can't love. It's comp- it'll be impossible to love. It'll be impossible to love joy because the God you rejected will honor that. And, and, there, and without God, you can't love. Without God, you can't have joy. You can't have peace. You can't have anything that's good. It'll be absolutely impossible. It'll be a place of torment as the Bible describes it. But let's move on. Daniel writes in verses 13 and 14 of the final world empire, after the Antichrist, and not just a world empire, but the empire of the universe. That's the empire of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will do away with the empire of, of Antichrist. And here in verses 13 and 14, uh, we read of the Holy One who conquers. Who is that? Well, this passage of verses 13, 14, 15, they take us from human dominion to the, uh, of Antichrist to the divine dominion of Jesus Christ. And here, Daniel... He says he uh, saw one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. A Son of Man, listen, it's a messianic title. It was a favorite designation of Jesus. In fact, Jesus used it of himself 80 times in uh, the gospel. So what does it mean? Well, there's various titles that are ascribed to Jesus in the Bible. A slide number four, if you could pull that up. And we read it, Son of God speaks of his deity, Son of David speaks of Jesus' royalty. Son of man speaks of the humanity of Jesus. So check that out. People have a lot of questions on that. Look at that again. Son of God, it's of the deity of Jesus. Where you see the title Son of David, the royalty of Jesus. Son of man, again, speaks of his humanity. It makes sense um, when you start to put it into that perspective. Again, Son of Man is a messianic title a favorite designation of Jesus, and he used it of himself 80 different times in the Bible, but that's speaking of his humanity, so you have all of those all of those there. I think that's really cool. I get that question a lot. What do all these different things mean? Well, uh, there you have it. Jesus is fully God, fully man, completely sovereign as king of the universe. He's king of kings. He is lord of lords. Um, some people have thought Jesus was half man and half God. That is wrong. That is, that is not biblical. It's like, what? That's, that's, that's a, in fact, it's heresy. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's the Holy One who conquered sin on the cross, conquered death at the resurrection, and mankind when he returns. In fact, all of creation... Remember, all of creation groans 
because of the sin that was brought into the world by man. All of creation suffers because of the sin of man. But Jesus is going to redeem all things. When I say redeem creation, it doesn't mean that he's saving souls like dogs and cats and billy goats and giraffes and things like that. But it's going to be restored to this incredible beauty. To him, the Bible tells us, is given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and language should serve him. In Psalm chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, you can see here, slide number 5, with that, ask of him after the nations rage against Jesus, right? The, the, The leaders and the kings and the princes, they take counsel together to cast off his restraints, to get rid of him, then the Lord says, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Jesus is coming back. Uh, he's going to, he is the anointed one. It's not going to happen. As much as men try to cast off his restraints, Jesus is coming back. And, and here in Psalm chapter 2, beginning of verse 8, God the Father says, ask of me and I will give you, that be Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, right? We see it. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. And you shall break them with a rod of iron and you shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way uh, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Um, Note, this is the kingdom. So when we're reading here in Daniel chapter 7 about this kingdom that is established, again, verses 13 and 14, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. That's what Psalm 2 is referring to. When Jesus comes back, the leaders of the world will say, let's cast off his restraints. God says, I'll laugh at them. I'll hold them in derision. So we're in this process right now of the first part of Psalm 2. We're in the process. And then they're really going to, these leaders are really going to get there in the tribulation period. And then the second part of Psalm 2 is what we just saw, what you guys just saw in your monitors. And it's also the same thing that's happening here in Daniel chapter 7 in the verses that we just read. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will last forever. Some things we can learn about this kingdom. Uh, When Jesus returns, check this out, uh, he is coming with the clouds of heaven. So that's what it says right here in Daniel chapter 7. We just read it, but also what else do we, where else do we see it? Right there. Gospel of Matthew. Check it out. Gospel of Matthew says this. Jesus said this of himself in Matthew chapter 24, 29 through 30. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken immediately after the tribulation. Wow. And they will see, as you continue through this, what happens? Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. The end, then, all tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So we read that. In Daniel, now we also read it here in Matthew, where Jesus says it of himself. And then we also see it in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, where the Bible says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, 
uh, even they who uh, pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. So I, I look at this that's happening, and, and I find, man, this is so cool. When you see Jesus coming, uh, uh, here in verse 13 of Daniel chapter 7, coming with the clouds of heaven, and you start to put everything together. By the way, Zechariah also seems to make a reference to the exact same thing when the, when, when the people of Israel look upon him whom they pierced. And some people say, hey, the clouds of heaven that are spoken of there, it's the saints. Uh, because um, at the end of the tribulation, when Jesus sets up his kingdom on earth, uh, believers will be returning with Jesus and... Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says of believers that they are a great cloud of witnesses. So could it be that that is the cloud that everybody sees? It's, it, when Jesus is coming out of the sky, I mean, I love that when I'm over the area of uh, maybe at Carmel or the precipice and you see the vast valley of, uh, of Jezreel Valley, uh, known as the place where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be, and I tell people, look up in the sky. Can you imagine Jesus coming? And we're going to be coming with him. And Jesus is going out of, out of his mouth is the sword of his word. And it, it's, it, it dashes the enemies of the world and the false prophet and antichrist. And Jesus goes and he stands on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives is going to be split in two. Ah, it's just so, it's so cool to think. But could it be that we are the cloud of witnesses? Ah, it's quite possible. It's also kind of cool because it's on the Mount of Olives in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus ascended into heaven and the disciples were just staring up into the sky. And, uh, and, and the angel had to, had to tell him, you know, what are you doing just staring up in the sky? As he went up, he is coming back. And it's so cool. Anyways, uh, moving on from there, what else happens when Jesus returns? He establishes an eternal Kingdom. So he's coming with the clouds of heaven, and he establishes an eternal kingdom. Uh, when Jesus first returns, he establishes an earthly throne. Well, he reigns from Jerusalem for a thousand years. It's known as the millennial kingdom. Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6, teaches us in part that believers will live and reign with Christ for a thousand years and shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. The thousand years, millennia, that's where the term comes from. People say that's not in the Bible. Yes, it is in the Bible. Well, you can't really believe it. Well, I'm believing it because it's there. And the Bible says it's going to happen. So if the Bible says, yeah, yeah, I, I believe it. I'm excited. Jesus is coming back. He's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. The Antichrist is going to be gone. The guy that we're watching rise up. But Jesus is coming back. This is exciting. When you start looking at it and go, man, and for a thousand years, he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. And that is going to be absolutely amazing. What else? During the thousand years, Jesus, when he returns, he sets up, look at this, he sets up his kingdom that never ends. Man, I think that is, a, uh, that is so cool. Daniel tells us his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom shall not be destroyed. How does this work? While we reign uh, with Christ for a thousand years, Revelation teaches us that Jesus had bound Satan uh, and held him in his prison for that thousand years, or he commands 
uh, I should say, command Satan to be bound and uh, held in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 says, When the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released by Jesus from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth, to gather them together to battle. They surround the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire comes down from God out of heaven and devours them. Um, it, it, the devil goes on and says, who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. And after this, Jesus remakes heaven and earth and the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven. So Jesus returns, he sets up the millennial kingdom. At the end of the millennial kingdom, he then sets up this eternal kingdom and it is incredible where Satan is just done away with forever and ever and ever. But all that Daniel sees is uh, taking, th that's taking place. Man, I mean, can you imagine if you had a dream like this and it was real and you knew it was real? It wasn't just because you ate too much pizza or burritos or too much hot sauce or something like that and you had these weird dreams. Not like that. No, this is real. Now, people write to me all the time, say, I had this dream. Well, if it's really of God, we'll see if it comes to pass. If it doesn't come to pass, then just ignore it. But uh, Daniel had a dream. It was real, and, it, and, uh, and he knew it was going to come to pass. He knew it was prophetic. He knew it was from God. And, 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 and you look at it, you go, man, everything that Daniel had, all of the prophecies that are in the Bible have been 100% spot on every single time to this point. That is absolutely amazing. And that just gives us the reassurance that every single prophecy in the Bible is going to be fulfilled, including these in Daniel, exactly as the Bible says. Not only that, will they all be fulfilled, but I look at these things and think, man, it gives us the strength and it helps to build our faith. Uh, so when we question what in the world's going on, we look at the Bible and we go, ah, I get it. It's not a coincidence that all of these things are taking place, even like what I, what I first opened up with from the meeting that was way back in May. What was it, four months ago or whatever, five months ago? Up until now, we can see in all the other news that's happened since then, right up to today. And you look and go, everything's happening just like the Bible says. All right, but Daniel, he's troubled. He wants to know what all this means. He's got this dream. It's real. And continue, and he says this in verse 16. I came near to one of those who stood by, that be an angel who stood by, and asked him the truth of all this. And he told me, so he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. So Daniel's saying, help me to understand. And then Daniel wanted to see these things too, but he wasn't going to be privileged to see them. We're, we're, listen, folks, we're watching these things develop and unfold. That's what we're doing. And Daniel's told here, let me help you to understand by the angel. Those great beasts, which are four. Remember the four beasts, those that we looked at? We've looked at the last couple of weeks. Showed them to you in the very beginning. Remember what we had with those? It was Babylon. It was Persia, Greece, and Rome, right? Uh, those great beasts, which are four, are four kings which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Um, the meek shall inherit the earth. Remember that from the Sermon on the Mount? So Jesus says, that's what's talking about here. That's us. 
We're going to inherit all these things because we are of the Lord. We're, we're of his royal family. Think of it like that. We're sons and daughters of the king of kings. We're in his royal family. You, you, you look at the, the kings of England throughout the centuries and the kings of these other nations and presidents, and you think, and you think, it's just, it's, you know, it's the family line. They live in this very privileged class. Don't be discouraged. We are in the most privileged class. We are sons and daughters of the king of kings, royal family. So you might say, I got a little bit jealous of those royal families. That's stupid. That's nonsense. Listen, don't even let your head go down that path. We are the, of the royal family of the Lord. That is so cool. And forever and ever in his kingdom, verse 18. Wow. Then Daniel says, I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet and the ten toes that were on its, that were on its head, the ten, the ten horns, excuse me, that were on its head. That'd be weird if it had toes on its head. <laughs> the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn which came up before it. Remember, we've been talking about that last few weeks. We have the eleventh horn uh, that comes up. The, the, one, the, the little horns, Daniel called them earlier, that comes up after the ten, right? He goes, I want to know about the ten horns. Specifically, he zeroes in. I see this fourth beast. Out of the fourth beast rises what? He wants to know about the fourth beast. And there you see it. He wants to know about the little horn. I want to know about these things which came up before which three fell. Three of the kings fell, right? Talked about that already. Three of the kings fell. Interesting. Namely, that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. We talked about that last time, right? About you, know, you look at the words of somebody like Yuval Noah Harari. Think about pompous words where he says the resurrection of Jesus is fake news. It's that type of thinking. It's infecting everything. It's Yuval Harari who says, hey, the next religion's coming out of Silicon Valley. Imagine with AI, all the blasphemous things that are going to be coming out of there and already are started. We already see the foundation being laid. It's coming like a, a freight train. Again, Moving on, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. Very interesting. He says the appearance of this 11th horn was greater than his fellows. Quite simply, he's better looking. The, 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 the Antichrist apparently is going to be just out there. He's, we know from other texts he's going to have charisma like we've never seen in this world before. Apparently, he's going to be attractive to the world. They can say, wow, unlike Jesus, who was not. Isaiah chapter 53 is very clear about the appearance of Jesus. You, know, you see paintings of Jesus and actors of Jesus. There are all these good-looking paintings and good-looking pictures. But the reality is the Bible doesn't paint that picture at all of Jesus. He, was, he, was, he, he didn't have anything that would draw people to him physically. But Antichrist apparently does. Why? Because the devil knows that people are drawn to outward appearance. A great deception. He's going to be extremely charismatic. And he's going to be speaking against God. He's going to be speaking blasphemous things and pompous things. I was watching in the same horn, the 11th horn, the Antichrist, was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. Uh, Revelation chapter 13 tells us about this, this horn and what does it do? 
It, uh, the, the Antichrist, what does he do? Revelation chapter 13 tells us that power was given over to, uh, given to him over the saints. So those who are believers in, who come to faith in Jesus during the tribulation period, the Bible's clear, Satan's going to have power over him. Uh, our Antichrist is going to have power over him uh, through the power of the devil, but God's going to be the one who allows it to happen. However, remember this, Revelation chapter 12 also tells us of those who come to faith in Jesus during the tribulation period, that they overcome him, not because they physically live, they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they do not love their lives unto death. In other words, they're going to worship Jesus and recognize that they're going to die for their faith. But we do know some survive. Some of the believers, do we do know survive the tribulation? They managed to escape the great persecution that is coming against them. Uh, we know that because the Bible is clear um, uh, about that. They're going to be the ones that populate the planet. But the majority of those who come to faith in Christ are going to become martyred for their faith. So that's what's talked about here. That's what's being talked about in the book of Revelation. Uh, it says this, though, don't let me stop here. One more verse, until, so power over the saints, until the ancient of days came, and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Wow. So it takes us right on through uh, the, the whole thing. I mean, we see Antichrist coming on the scene, Antichrist system being built. We're watching it right now. That's why we're experiencing these things. We know there's going to be 10 kings. After 10 kings, there's going to be this 11th one. He's going to uproot three of those kings, and then he's going to have power over the saints to kill them. And then what happens? Don't lose heart. After these things, Jesus comes back, and he establishes his kingdom that is forever and ever and ever. He's going to crush the kingdom of Antichrist. He's going to absolutely destroy it demolish it, and it is going to be absolutely incredible. Listen, I want you to just think of some of these things. Check this out. A couple of things to think about is, is this. When you start looking at um, this here with the power given over the saints, there's, a, 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 there's been a persecution against Christians since the church began. The Roman Empire against the Christians since the very beginning, right? A Nero burning the Christians, uh, the Colosseum, and so many other things, right? Uh, Damon Duck wrote this, I could document a long list of signs uh, regarding the second coming of Christ, the return of Israel, globalism, economic issues, immorality, etc. But I quickly uh, mentioned just one spiritual issue that is on my mind, and then move on. I would believe, I believe world leaders are using global organizations, the UN, World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum, et cetera, to try to legislate Jehovah, Jesus, the Bible, Judea, Christian ethic, et cetera, out of existence. Man, we are seeing that everywhere, aren't we? In the schools, in the courts, obviously the Biden administration of the United States of America, so many things going on. They want to replace these things, the truth of the Bible, with a global ethic that suits them. Exactly, Going that takes us back to Psalm 2. Let us cast off their cords from us. God will hold them in derision. Jesus is coming back. That's what Daniel, so, so Daniel sees the Roman Empire. He sees a revived Roman Empire. So people say there's not going to be a revived Roman Empire. Folks, there is. You see it in the statue of Daniel chapter 2. You see it clearly here in Daniel chapter 7. 
Also in Daniel chapter 9, even gives us the ethnicity. But here in Daniel chapter 7, it's out of the Roman Empire, this fourth beast, comes the ten kings simultaneously. That has not happened yet. Pointed it out last week. Simultaneously, they're coming. We're being prepared for it. And then the, the 11th, the, the Antichrist comes out of the ten. Folks, that hasn't happened yet. But it's coming. And it's coming rapidly. Um, some of you guys wrote to me and uh, when, I, when I mentioned um, Elon Musk last week and I said, hey, Elon, um, you can see a picture of how Antichrist gets rid of the three, three of the kings out of the ten because there's three that oppose him. And I said this with Elon that, that uh, hey, he, 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 he seems to push back against the things that Bill Gates says and, and these other globalists are saying in doing even some of the BlackRock things. He seems to push back against them, even some of the ESG things. He even pushes back against some of them. And I said, so you can see how Antichrist, he has his system, and then you get a, 10 kings. Then you have three of them that say, we're not going along with you, perhaps like an Elon Musk. And I did say this, doesn't mean Elon Musk is holy or anything like that, or a good person. I, think he's, I mean, he's done some evil stuff. Um, but you can see with the resistance of the 10 kings forming, Three of them are going to say, we're not going along with this Antichrist uproots them. And the reality of us could be someone like Elon Musk who gets, his gets a tanking system developed and then he uproots three that resist him. But So we, we get the idea, right? And I'm not saying, I'm not naming names for who Antichrist is or isn't or anything like that. But you can see it develop as you see all of the globalists are not on the same page with some of the things that are taking place. That makes sense? So that's what happens when we have Antichrist uprooting three of them. But back to this, you look and go, what do they want to do? What's this globalist agenda right now? It is to do just this, what Daniel chapter 7 says, um, making war against the saints and prevailing against them. And Antichrist is going to take that further. And we're seeing it develop right now, as Damon Duck has said. The satanically inspired is becoming more obvious by the day and it is an impossible task as he's talking about um, coming against the believers. And then there's this article uh, by Michael Snyder the, uh, from a couple weeks ago. The genocide of Christians is escalating all over the planet, but most Westerners don't even know that it's happening. Why? He writes in here, here's the kind of news that you get. He, he writes this, you got to hear this. Why don't we hear it? Uh, he says, it's because what becomes news is very tightly controlled by a handful of exceedingly powerful corporations, so you are going to get the news that they want you to have. So you don't hear about the genocide of Christians right now. And then they write, he writes this, for example, Yahoo News posted a news story that was entitled, get this, Kim Kardashian appeared to accidentally post an unedited selfie this weekend. Then he writes, with everything else that's going on in the world, that is what they want us to focus on. I couldn't care less about what selfies Kim Kardashian chooses to post on social media. Absolutely. They don't want us to know the truth. They don't want us to know the truth that the Christians are being slaughtered. Daniel says it's going to get worse. They don't want us to know the truth that they're really building up this global system. They don't want us to know the truth that BRICS is, uh, that, that the whole BRICS thing, it's an East-West thing uh, intended to bring about a global system. They don't want us to know the truth about what's really going on in politics in America. They don't want us to know the truth about anything, but 
we have the truth. Folks, don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Listen, we're on the brink. Uh, We're on the brink of the end of things as we know it, but we're about ready to be called home. That trumpet's going to sound, and we're going to be called up. Are you ready? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. Listen, I'm going to pick up right here next time, and this is what we're going to get into next time. As we continue through Daniel, I look to finish Daniel chapter 7 next time, we're going to look at the strong delusion that is sent among the people because they would not believe the love of the truth, so they believe the lie. They're going to submit to Antichrist. We're going to look at the different, uh, some of the different characteristics about Antichrist, what is coming, what is developing, and how close we are. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.